0: joined us my name is Ethan and I'm Thomas this is the Taraxicon podcast an informative podcast of Tarasque proportions
1: all right so what is a character
0: well, a- we're just jumping right into it oh huh? there's no hey guys today we're going to be talking about character creation nothing like that no we just we'll just go into it
1: mm-hmm. no yeah Maybe. Whatever you want. (laughs) Alright, so what is uh, a
0: character, Thomas?
1: (laughs) What is a character? Yeah. Well, a character is a person that you use to interact with the environment, the world, the game in general that you are a part of. Uh, Similar how you play with Barbie dolls when you want to be in the world of Barbie or you're your army figures and your G.I. Joe, uh, you you would play, like, a D&D character to be a part of that world and that setting of, like, Forgotten Realms, for example. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically a, a vessel for which you uh, can be in that world.
0: Yeah, I think it's very much like how an actor portrays a certain role. You know, you, you, you think how they think and behave as if this person was real. You know, sometimes they might be a little real. A little self-insert. You never know.
1: I mean, apparently directors do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) They're also saying, you know, they said that um, boys, they said that uh, when they're given, like, toys and stuff, they imprint the toy onto themselves, which is, for example, to say you give a boy a Batman toy and he plays with it, he is Batman. He's oh, yeah. playing as if he's Batman. Now, they say if you give a girl a toy, it's the other way around, where the girl imprints on the Barbie, for example. So if you give her a Barbie doll, she's not Barbie. She The, the Barbie doll is her.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Uh, Now, that could obviously just be some random shit I saw on the internet. This is just to say that... um people when you make characters when you're playing characters people have different interpretations ideologies and like but not necessarily the role play of it but like the way they view that vessel through which they interact with the game some people see it as like a self insert and some people see it as a way to be as far away from them as possible mm-hmm. I think that makes a
0: lot of sense. Uh, when I used to play with my Spider Man action figure, I'd run around with my little web shooter that sprayed uh, Silly String out. And uh, that was always a I've real always good wanted time. the Silly
1: String. Never got it. Never. Oh, got only it. The, got closest the closest thing closest I, I got. Shit. The closest thing I got was that Hulk no milk. The you Hulk? the Hulk milk? What? No. So the they had this like Marvel. Was, I don't know if it was Marvel. It was a uh, green milk, green like chocolate milk or something, and it oh. was it was Hulk themed, that and you would drink it, and, and and so when the the most notable thing about it is whenever you pooped, your poop was green, because it was just <laughs> milk and chocolate milk full of green food coloring. This yeah. was before any laws came out that said you couldn't do that. But yeah, all of our poop was green and we were like, oh my God, that's so cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Actually, you know, green chocolate milk really rings a bell. Like you just kind of unlock the memory there. There's
1: not that many green chocolate milks out there.
0: (laughs) I I specifically remember looking down at my cup and being like, this is awesome.
1: (laughs) And it's, it was just, it wasn't like different flavor. It was just like Nesquik, (laughs) but like green, uh, Anyways, (laughs) Anyways. <laughs> we so in this in this scenario, I would pretend that I was the Hulk because my poop was green and I was drinking green chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the Hulk
0: also poops green and drinks green obviously.
1: chocolate milk. So what happens when the guy is Hulk and he has to, to poop? but like let's say mid shit he turns back like it calms him down and he turns back does the poop go back what about the poop he's already pooped does it go back or does it not because that's a problem
0: i guess we need ant man to figure that one out right get in there (laughs) this is for scientific inquiry go go
1: your, this is this is your thing. This is yeah. what your superpower is. I don't think this is what my superpower. No, this is definitely what you're doing. <laughs> as a, when people think of you as a superhero, this is what they'll remember.
0: Inquiring minds need to know. Now get in there.
1: <laughs> so, what is the core components for a character?
0: Um. well I, I think there's quite a few of them one of the most important ones in my opinion my favorite one is just the concept around your character which is where I generally derive the most amount of fun you know if, if I'm going to play a uh, for instance a boisterous gnome tailor who is just awful yeah just gossipy as hell <laughs>
1: Go on. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There's also...
1: Oh, well, that, that's the concept? <laughs> yeah, that was the concept. Obnoxious, no.
0: Yeah, uh oistrous, well, gossipy, uh, you know, highfalutin.
1: Falutin?
0: Yeah, yeah. And don't that ask me how fal- to spell it. What does that mean? You know, just, uh he thinks of himself as high class doesn't necessarily mean he has to be high class but he believes gotcha yes
1: yeah, so the core uh so the concept around your character is like so i mean like you're not you're not thinking about like class or race you're not thinking about like any like story right now just you're just thinking about the feel like the i wouldn't say the yeah. mouth feel of the character but <laughs> it like the role play of the character um and that, so you get that's the concept that you get from that. Yeah, I think uh, it's like more so like
0: then, behavior.
1: Yeah, I want to say the vibe. I hate You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't really, something so fabulous like,
0: but yeah. I, I hate
1: saying so like all these like new words, but like at the same time when I think it's like it's just it just sounds right cuz obviously <laughs> you just say the mood or theme, but like vibe just makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I
0: feel that. I can vibe so, with that.
1: Uh, see because then, then it sounds wrong like then he said like, so next you then can fo- once you get the, the concept out of the way you start to think okay you know I want to be a gnome tailor so uh, how do I fit that into the role that would support that concept or the way that you would use that to as like a tool
0: yeah so I mean uh, in the instance of Senjin the character I'm talking about I thought of the concept first of just, you know, gossipy. I knew I wanted him to be fashionable or at least conscientious about fashion and things that most adventurers really wouldn't give a shit about, you know, and then I thought to myself, well, what would be fun (laughs) for a race involved with that? And I was like, well. You know, if he's going to be a tailor, I think uh, Gnome would be really fun. You know, it would make sense. They do small, tedious tinkering and work like that. And uh, I just something about a small guy who's very boisterous and loud and tries to be charismatic and all of that is a really fun concept to work with involving that race. And, uh, as far as classes, you know, we can touch on that later, but, uh, his class is being a tailor.
1: Barbarian. <laughs> Honestly,
0: that, that would be very fun. Um, you know. Yeah, sure. I like to use an axe as much as the next guy, but occasionally, it's nice to just settle down and have some tea and read a book.
1: <laughs> and so, now, once you, like, think about the class and your race... Uh, So you've done your concept, and then you start filling out the kind of uh, path connectors of how you can use that concept in Mm -hmm. the game. Uh, Then uh, the next step, now that you have that, is like, where do you want that to go? Where do you want this character to have his place in the game that you're playing or the setting? Uh, when you figure out the, the direction of that character. Uh, you, this, is, this includes kind of things we touched on in previous episodes. Uh, you want to work with your DM uh, to establish uh, lore around the character. Why is he this way? Why is he... Uh, I was going to say, why is he a gnome? But uh, <laughs> that's how it was. Why is he a tailor... Uh, if he is a gnome, does that have any implications in the lore of the world, like location or like any other like sort of identities that go along with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is you start filling out that stuff like because then the reason why you want to do that now instead of later is because uh, after you do that, the uh, next thing you want to focus on is all of the rest of the stuff, which is going to directly tie back in to direction, you're gonna find yourself being like, "Oh, what would happen here?" Well, you just go back to your direction, and that would help you establish those lines.
0: Okay, let's get, give me some uh, give me some examples. Let's let's say Mister Keyblade. You've brought him up on the podcast before. Let's, let's was Zer-
1: Zer- C- was talk about him? was It wasn't. Was it Zer- Starts with an X for sure. Matt. It's no. It's like Maximus Keyblade. A uh, key. It's Keyblade Maximus, I think, or something like. Some of the cringiest <laughs> name I could think of. The most edgiest guy. Something like that. But that was a uh, great guy. Great guy. Yeah, it was um, a fun character. Honestly, though, uh, I think Wold would have be would be a better example of a uh, direction because uh, the keyblade guy the concept was really edgy uh <laughs> loner didn't really care about like the the you know the, the place he came from all that stuff. there's a lot of like stuff in there but it didn't really have a lot to do with this character but wold uh, it more it did more so mm-hmm. so uh, i had a character wold chagrin who was a uh, blue dragonborn who was a giant rune knight in D fifth edition uh, who would make haikus occasionally but mostly uh, liked rocks a lot and then on top of that came from a stone giant community tribe where he had just lived and grew up with uh where he learned that. So and now so you know we think about the core concept of just you know blue dragonborn really likes rocks uh a little outlanderish so then you go to the, your class and race, or you know, Dragonborn, because uh, I want to be more of an outsider, even in a clan of Stone Giants, to still stand out from that. Uh, and I believe we said it was a tribe of Dragonborns that were coexisting with yeah. the Stone Giants. Yeah, I think that was actually class, part of the setting, though. Yeah, and so with the um, with the class, we're going, you know, Rune Knight, you know, Giant Runes. Uh, and then when you go into direction, all of that comes into play, because you can uh, talk with your DM and find out. You know, I'm doing this, and he's anything giant related. Uh, why? Yes, there's a giant tribe camp with like dragon boards. Oh, well, that's perfect. That's exactly where he's going to be. So then you find out from that. Uh, what do they like? What do they believe in? What do they uh, think about? Mm-hmm. And then uh, going off of all of that, especially their love of rocks, given that they're stone giants. Uh, you get into the last part, which is just the filler or the story of your character. You know, now that you know where he's at, uh, why is he there? What does he do? What does he like to do? What does he want to do in the future? What problems do you have? You know, so so on and so on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was a nice and concise. I like that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think once you kind of get the concept... The class, the race, and, you know, his position on things that take place in the world and, you know, their belief system and that type of thing. It kind of all melds together to create a nice backstory. Uh, Obviously, there's still things that are missing, like, you know, conflicts and, you know, uh, just open-ended things that can be tagged on to by the DM to where you, you can kind of... Put the backstory into the actual overarching story and make for really fun times at the table uh, but yeah i mean once you've got most of those backstory should come pretty easily
1: naturally even <laughs> uh and if it doesn't i mean simply put it even if you don't oh, i don't know where this is going i don't know the story if you've I don't know, if you've looked into the direction and the world building and you've talked with your DM and you still don't really know at that point, it really can just be like, he's just a dragonborn and he's just a fighter and he's just chill and he comes from this tribe of camp and that's it. And if your DM uh, wants to do anything with that, although there'd be a lot of opportunities for it, then they will. And if they don't, then they don't. That's Mm -hmm, a different mm -hmm. issue entirely though. That's not what you're, you should be concerned about. You should be concerned about the character. Uh, so what are some good things when you're making this character that you want to try and include other than these core components that will help you uh, further flesh them out?
0: Yeah, well, okay, so like we were just talking about with backstory, I think it's important to have uh, like multiple NPCs. You should probably flesh out, you know, maybe people in your family, uh, people that are close to you, or just other uh, NPCs that you might have interacted with throughout your character's life, and have these loose ends and conflicts to where there are things to tie the story to, to where. You know, your character is a cohesive person in this world, and your DM can easily be like, okay, cool, you know, oh, you, you've you been having these run-ins with these outlaws? Guess who the big bad evil guy just hired, you know? <laughs> That's right, the pack of
1: wolves. <laughs> yep. You know,
0: those goblins over there that never did you any wrong.
1: <laughs> Let's get them! <laughs> <laughs> damn bitches so 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 other things uh you can think about uh is obviously we're gonna go with some flaws you know some things that you do that doesn't make your character the best person or that they struggle with or that can create conflict in one way or another obviously you shouldn't say like my flaw is that i kill my teammates (laughs) like you obviously don't (laughs) want to go around doing that but like a a flaw for let's say wolves would be that like he's a little hard-headed he doesn't really understand things that are spoken unless they're like really simple or go against his belief for example uh it was a part of one of his beliefs of the tribe uh that evil energy was concentrated in people through everything they do but it was exhumed out their body when they would defecate so therefore if you hadn't seen someone poop you don't know if that person's evil or not but if you did see someone poop they're most likely not evil uh so that would be kind of a flaw if if the dm took that and then they said this is the main villain, and then he just took a fat shit. And then Wolf would be like, oh, guys, we got the wrong guy. <laughs> okay, he just pooped. There's no way. Uh, so on and so on.
0: Yeah. I really liked Wolf. Uh, he was very much like a rocket sometimes. Very dense. But, um.
1: Very, not very <laughs> porous. <laughs> no, of course not.
0: Um. Uh... But another thing you could do for just, like, really good character creation is accents. And I I don't mean, you know, like an English accent or blah, blah, those kinds of accents, like dialect or anything. Because just about anybody, I think, in my opinion, can do them. But most people aren't going to necessarily be comfortable doing them. But accents such as, you know, with uh, Sinjin, for instance, uh. Boisterous. Gossipy. They don't necessarily have to be bad or good.
1: Like, quirkish, almost. Yeah,
0: uh, just things they do in general, and that's going to help almost build a personality kind of naturally into a character.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't... Let's see, accents with... Oh, yeah, so, like, accents with wold would be, like, you know... He likes to write haikus. Are they good? Who fucking knows? Did he do them all the time? Probably not. But it's just a thing that made him stand out. The rock thing, I mean, that worked with the backstory, but it was also, like, the it, it led into rock puns, mm-hmm. and that was a very good thing about him that, yeah. like, separated him from other characters in the campaign, but also even just separate characters that I played. Uh, rock solid. Rock solid character. Um, rock and stone, brother. Uh... Let's see, I don't know if I have a third accent for him, uh, other than just his, I, I could even, someone consider a flaw, could be an accent, but you know, just little quirky things. Uh, so, you know, we got that backstory as well, uh, that, you know, lo- uh, loose ends, NPCs, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, once you have some of these things, obviously there are some things you want to look out for to avoid. Uh, one of these things is making sure your character doesn't end up being flat or, like, one-dimensional.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I don't I don't know. I've been playing for a really long time at this point and DMing as well for a long time, so I have a difficult time coming up with characters that are flat. Um, you know, I always play very voluptuous characters, not flat at all. but uh let's see yeah okay so if you play a character who doesn't really have those ups and downs you know that that they don't have necessarily uh any quirks to them well then they're always going to be well just boring yeah you know that's going to be a an unmemorable character uh one that you're probably not going to get the most enjoyment out of when you're playing them, because you know, let's face facts here: a flat character is a background character,
1: and they get copy and pasted that. on the like an NPC. Yeah, you know. You know? But if you watch the previous episodes, your NPCs should also be better. So, another thing to look out for is obviously the um, pursuit of perfectionism. Uh, if you're like an optimizer or a power gamer or what have you, you obviously want to choose like this the race that gives you the most stats or the class that really does a lot of high damage or whatever it is you're looking to do. Um, but you want to make sure that you might even be okay doing that, but try to not do that when it comes to making the character's quirks, flaws, accidents, backstory, etc., because you could even have all of that. Um, optimization and still have a good character simply because of the role play of the character if they do everything right and nothing wrong could ever happen uh and they're always perfect well that's just another way of saying that they're flat (laughs) because there's no lows to balance out those highs so it all it might as well just all look like one straight line like a plateau And that's something you want to uh, avoid. Yeah,
0: and I think another thing is, especially if you're starting a character from, say, level 1 to 5 even, why would they be perfect? And, you know, in what world would a beginning adventurer just be perfect? You know what I mean? That they've probably experienced things... Hey, that
1: farmer in the field over there? Perfect. Yeah, you
0: know, it's uh you, you've done absolutely nothing with your life. There's very little character growth to be had without adversity, so why would he be perfect or she be perfect? It wouldn't make any sense, especially for somebody who's now trying to go out and do dangerous shit out in this world and, you know, get money and do all of these things and... Why? You know, in what world are Which those more people going to be not, perfect?
1: Yeah, more often than not, was not even a successful, valuable, worth it thing to do because most people would just die. Yeah. So, like, you know, it 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 is is inconsistent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another thing to kind of avoid would try would probably be you know what most people would know as Mary Sue or you know just good at everything. Because if you're good at everything, it's kind of very much like, you know, the, the perfect aspect. It's, okay, so you, you can do it all. Why do you need people in your group? Why aren't you already level 20 and, and super wealthy and have the fame and all of the things, you know? It, I don't know. It doesn't make for compelling characters.
1: Uh, this applies to maybe like your class as well. If you're playing a rogue... Okay, well, what do rogues do? You know, they steal, they lockpick, they they sneak and all that. An example of this would be, like, if the equivalent of you were trying to kick in doors for the barbarian or heal for the cleric or uh, try to train animals for the druid. Like, you, even though you have your role that you've decided for your character, you should try and stick to that as close as possible because that's going to give you a niche in your party, in your group, and in your roleplay. You know, it would suck if, like, why would the barbarian even bother role-playing if you're going to be huff and gruff and angry all the time <laughs> uh, and, like, non-negotiable? But then when the cleric tries to speak up, you suddenly just start being very, you know, compromising and ho- ritualistic and holy. You know, you don't want to take that from other people. And also, it's just, it, it will mess up what your character stands for, like, the concept of your character. Uh, I guess you could make a character whose concept is to be a Mary Sue, but <laughs> ultimately the caveat with that is that you would need to have a huge flaw. Like, oh, they're always perfect, but they did murder a whole orphanage of children when they were like, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I, something is super fun about the idea of like, oh, you know, I play a rogue who is a master thief. They're incredibly good at lockpicking and disarming traps and all of that but they're also very uncharismatic and cannot lie to save themselves. It's <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's he's bad. probably not going to get caught, but if he does, uh-oh. <laughs> he's not I've never got that. I never gotta think
1: I'd get this far. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's, uh,
0: let's talk about my favorite part of character creation then, unless you have something else to add.
1: Oh, no, no, that, I do not. Okay, backstory time.
0: What is your favorite part of backstory?
1: My favorite part of a backstory is the uh, beginning stages of the conceptual uh, understanding of, it's almost like I'm in my own personal movie theater where I sit down, I close my eyes and I turn on the movie and it's like, this is the movie of this person. And it could be like a highlight reel, Uh, it could be like uh, some action scenes with them, how they interact in the world. And I just kind of get to sit there and kind of bask in like, wow, look at all the things this character could be, how they would act in these scenarios and these things. Uh, And basically what I'm doing there is I'm like ad-libbing scenes. Like, what would happen if they got in this thing? What would happen if they would do this or do that? Or if someone else just stole from them, how would they react? And, like, let's say they're fighting a red dragon, what would they do? What would happen if they're trying to save the princess? Or maybe they have a, a family member who's been captured. How would they, like, rescue them or something like that? What happens if a close one died? You know, it's like uh, I get to start filling out those little pieces and getting an overall vibe of the character. uh. <laughs> once i get that and i start feeling it then i start going into those uh next steps of like uh refining the character
0: yeah so i i I think you and i do a little bit different with backstory stuff because uh i very much at first try to think of uh what we have written down is defining moments and i think that's the best way to describe it i like to think of almost the the 80s movie you know uh like the rocky montage of like this is all of the things he did to get super you know to, to get where he is now these are the the moments of all of the bad stuff and the good things that's happened to him in his life and you know adding in all of those types of things to where you get an idea of the adversity they've been through because ultimately i do as a person believe that adversity is what builds character and to have a character that has any kind of depth to them, they have to have some adversity they've been through, uh, perhaps even just, you know, uh, something that would make sense of a flaw, you know, justifying it, and, and those types of things. are That's my absolute favorite part of it, you know? Uh,
1: you, you start going through, you start, I'm making a rogue. Let's go to his backstory. Let's look at some defining moments. Aw, oh, dude, he opened that door when no one was looking. Aw, oh, dude, he killed that person. Sick. <laughs> oh dude, he killed another person. This, this is all just killing... He just keeps killing people. What the hell? No, it
0: would be more <laughs> along the lines of uh, the first time he saw another kid pickpocket somebody in the town
1: then he killed that kid (laughs) oh god he's a psychopath
0: how did you do that you know and then there's the rocky montage of him learning how to pickpocket and pick locks and do that type of stuff and you know just something about that really does it for me
1: (laughs) then he kills rocky too and then he kills the other guy just apollo creed he's coming for you it's just lock picks and knives in the dark uh so, but like what you were saying earlier, uh, then you can start justifying the flaws. Like, why... If you're playing a character, let's just say, obvious, like, an obvious flaw. Is like, alcoholic, or I struggle with addiction, or I get hung over really mm-hmm. easily, or some bullshit like that. You know, then you could just start like, well, why? Why why is my character like this? Why do they do things this way when it is clearly not good? Because, you know, if someone... If one of your flaws was like, I, why I never grab anything with my left hand. And then you start playing and someone's like, Hey, can you hand me that? Sure. I do. Uh, well, sorry, I got a weapon in my right hand. I can't hand it to you with my left hand. They're going to be like, why? And you can be like, Oh, <laughs> and they're gonna be like, well, why don't you just do it? And then you're like, I guess I could. Now you don't have a flaw anymore. And now you fucked your character. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. So for instance, with doll wreath, who is a Hexblade warlock character. I played in your campaign. uh. He had a bad flaw of he used to be an alcoholic and uh, that became a thing because one night before a big uh, fight with all of his paladin buddies and and whatever oath or whatever order he was in, uh, he got a little drunk, slept through the battle. His entire order died, or at least the band that he was in. And, you know, that would have a profound effect on somebody had that happen to them in real life and in my opinion uh tabletop role-playing games should have somewhat basis of of real life and realism and uh yeah you know that put him into this weird downward spiral until he formed a pact with a patron and that kind of started to bring him out but, uh...
1: That also ties into another thing that uh, you look to when making backstory, which is uh, character behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what we've talked about so far is kind of like over the course of their growth and like cutting here and there to different scenes, like uh, like various different timelines. Whereas character behavior is like how you are almost twenty four seven, which you know let's say it's doll Wreath and he like he doesn't drink anymore uh he doesn't do drugs he's like tries to take this straight and narrow path well what, what does that do to someone how do they interact with things constantly
0: yeah i mean i think honestly all of that all of that we've talked about before this is just kind of building blocks into character behavior because now for instance with doll Wreath, uh, all of that does take a toll on him and the fact that now he is extremely straight edge. Now he has to do terrible things for his pact, and that does weigh heavily on him. And so the way he kind of atones for it, especially considering that he still feels that he is a paladin of sorts, is that he gets it tattooed or branded onto his body to where he has to live with it forever. You know, and and these types of things they they take place pretty much constantly, especially with the idea of like him being on the straight and narrow and never drinking, never letting loose and all of that. He's always tightly wound, he's always tense, all these types of things constantly. And you know, that, that affects how he behaves.
1: And then what you get at the end of all that? is you get a character and a backstory that uh, has a lot of depth to them. Like, lots of layers of different doors and windows into their soul and their personality. And that's just one character. Imagine if everyone in your party did this. Mm -hmm. How enriched your story would become. And this isn't even considering the quests you go on, the people you meet, uh, the, the... Curves that the DM throws at you. Like, this is just your journey alone. Uh, so if you follow these steps, uh, they can assist you in your overall concept of creating a character that you can see yourself playing and enjoying. Not just mechanically, but roleplay-wise. Or even just in a story sense.
0: Yeah. Speaking of wreath as well, though, uh, so... At the end of the campaign, before we started kind of moving on to other things, uh, this was something I kind of did unintentionally at first. And I kind of thought about it and was like, you know, that that would make sense for somebody to, if they were to fall off the wagon of sobriety. uh, At the end of the campaign, after getting out of the dungeon and having all of this, you know, crappy stuff happening this whole time, Dalreith had a beer everybody else got a beer and he was like yeah i'm gonna have one too and then uh had we continued playing with him i was going to slowly introduce more alcohol into him and he was going to have a full-blown relapse right back into it and down to the point where getting drunk
1: while traveling before fights all of it
0: and i think that would have been really fun
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i don't want campaign's not over yet (laughs) we'll see we'll see wouldn't it be cool to go back but with like changes made <laughs> you know what i mean so uh there are some things to consider now that we've kind of gone through all the uh big big things uh when you're making your character uh you do want to kind of follow those three core pillars of creation in relation to your playstyle. style. Uh, so, you know, we got combat, social, and exploration. You know, when you're making a character, it's like, do you want them to be more combat-focused? Do you want them to be more capable in handling social situations? Or when you're out of town or you're exploring dungeons or inner workings of the city, like, uh, do you want them to be very on their feet and have a lot of knowledge or, uh, what do you call it, streetwise to them you know those are things you want to start uh looking into uh just as just off on the side it's not super important but it's just more of like little extra stuff
0: yeah i always like to think of it uh kind of how they do the you know in in business you can have it fast and good but it won't be cheap you can have it cheap and good but it's not going to be fast and that type of thing and i like to pick two out of the three pillars to kind of really focus on and then kind of just neglect the other one because i know my character isn't going to be good at that they're not going to be interested in it and you know sometimes if they're really good at combat and exploration well they're going to be socially awkward they've probably spent a lot of time outdoors in the wilds And not had a lot of communication with people. You know. And uh, similarly all the way around. With the the flaw being in combat and social as well. But. Also. What I really think is important. As far as things to consider. Is that. You should work with your DM. To have a place. In the world that you're playing in. Uh, That way. You have your character who is a part of that world, and it feels that way, to where When you interact with things, it doesn't feel like it's you, you know, as a person, interacting with this NPC. It really helps you embody the character itself.
1: It's a key emphasis on a place, um, because when you're working with the DM and they tell you about the setting you if, if you're making someone who's like outlandish or a hermit or a sage or whatever uh you know you want to find some areas that either already exist or don't and make one of your own that so that your player has a place where events can revolve around them uh for example in our other setting uh where the characters have decided to come from uh has impacted the lore that I have shared with their characters that they know uh, which if they went from, or if they came from multiple places it would have been really useful now unfortunately they all came from the same place, a little bit different here and there but uh, it it expanded the amount of knowledge yeah, yeah, bro. I'm from everywhere. I know everything. Yeah. I like to think
0: of myself as a child of the world, man. I
1: thought <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say a child of God. <laughs> as if that that is what got you the knowledge of everything. Uh, also, as a, a note, uh, when you are working with your DM to have that place in the world, when you're making your character and your backstory and stuff like that, You don't want to be very specific and very set in stone about things. You want to be a little vague. You want to leave a couple holes. You want to leave empty space for your DM to put things in and to shift things around. Uh, Maybe the main villain in their story uh, is actually related to one of the characters. But then you go in your backstory and you say... I was an only child. Like, sometimes you can like leave that out and just be like, you know, I have parents, or I ha- You could say even like, oh, I'm an only child, and then the DM goes in there and says that you know of, <laughs> you know, uh, and then it's like, oh, I'm actually your long lost brother. Uh, yeah uh you know no my parents lied to me how could they do that and it was for your own good he was evil you know it was like
0: the evil if you, he literally just has the yeah, mustache
1: that's it <laughs> the mustache <laughs> uh so that is another thing to look out for is to uh, be pliable in your backstory yeah
0: and another thing with the place in the world I think you did kind of touch on it a little bit earlier, uh, but it's kind of important to say, like, okay, I want to play a Gnome. Okay, or, you know, a Halfling. Okay, well, Halflings in this setting typically all hail from around this area, so it would be important for you to be from this area, and if you're not from that area, have a reason that he wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Another thing of consideration, and this is probably one of the most important ones, is the order in which you create all of this stuff is not important. Like in the slightest, if you want to, you know, make a backstory first and then create a character around it, go for it. If you want to, you know, say, I'm going to play a halfling rogue. Cool, that's great. You know, and then you can build everything around it from there. And that's perfectly acceptable, but I do think it is important that all of the things that we did touch on and talk about should be factors in it and in people's minds when they do create characters to have a very well-rounded character who has a place in the world and feels a part of the world.
1: And uh, we did say you want to try and make your direction first before the filler. Now, you're more than welcome to do the filler first and do all the story. It's just going to be a lot more work. <laughs> uh, so a lot of things, if you just say, like, you can even start, like, oh, what's the core concept? Uh, the core concept is he's a rogue. That's it. That, I mean, that works, too. You know, you don't have to um, go crazy with it. Uh, and then so then you start in the class basically you start on that first uh, and then that gives you inspiration to fill out your other things uh, So that's what we mean when we say that uh, so with that being said, uh, we do have something to talk about with you that's not a hundred percent related to this episode but does tie in to the main themes of the things we did talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this session So My toe is stuck in my knee One second <laughs> Ow. There we go I'm in a closet So You know this is
0: 2023 now Thomas you can come out of that closet anytime you want
1: It's just my toe <laughs> <laughs> You're just dipping the toe in the I closet can't, I can't come out of the closet My wife's out <laughs> there <laughs> She'd <should> be pissed <laughs>
0: um. She'd put me back in Get
1: the fuck back <laughs> in there <laughs> yeah so So. i think
0: uh you know this is something that people should be on the lookout for in the hopefully the near future or at least it's on the horizon for sure uh we've laid out most of the groundwork and we're still play testing and updating but thomas and i have and let's i'm gonna face facts here mostly thomas i have absolutely put input in there and made some changes and helped make things uh more mechanically sound but the core concepts uh, we have created a system we call it cryo
1: brand new system now ethan why do we call it cryo
0: <laughs> so it stands for create and roll your own
1: hell yeah uh so the reason why we bring it up now is one, because we've been working on it for a while and we think it's developed enough to be entering into a testing phase now. Obviously, we don't have a lot of people to test it, but we do have each other, and so we've all been testing it, and it's been pretty good. There's been some bumps in the road, but we're paving them over. Uh, We bring it up this episode specifically because of the the name itself, Create and Roll Your Own. Uh, It is a very... Open system that is uh, very pliable to uh, manipulation into making whatever you really want. Uh, so let's get into some things here that uh, are examples of what we mean.
0: Yeah, so with cryo, for instance, we don't have anything that is predetermined, uh, we don't have set classes, we don't have set races uh we try to encourage people to come up with things of on their own and make you know, or based on settings yeah, and and make a uh, an entire thing that is really customized to exactly what you want to play as
1: and then uh on top of that where it's all going to be pretty much about customization we have uh we have a table for crafting, a table for upgrading. Uh, we have a, a token system that rewards you over time, which is, will effectively represent your downtime that you can then use to train and master skills as well as like crafting and all that stuff. You can share them with players kind of representative of them helping you out. Uh, and then you can roleplay that however you want on top of all of that. And then when you're making your... Class we call it a specialty. Uh, you get to determine the factors by which you deal damage and the way you use abilities. So it so like what uh, Ethan was saying earlier. Uh, he has a lot of creative freedom with his character. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. So Senjin uh, Senjin Rippleback is a gnome tailor. And that is his specialty, he is a thread caster, he casts magic and uses, uh, he manipulates thread and string to do his bidding basically. Uh, one of my proudest moments thus far is he stretched a string along the ground to uh, listen in on a quiet whispered conversation that people were having that he was clearly not supposed to be hearing. And I just thought it was a very fun way to do it because, uh, you know, in in 5e, if you were to, you know, like, you pretty much have to play specific characters to be able to do magic that would allow something like that or, you know. And even
1: uh, then the DM might not just allow it because it's not actually a spell. Right.
0: And, you know, there's there's all of these small hangups and blah, blah. But, you know, I was like, well, hey, I think I can make this work you know feel the vibrations i was thinking very much along the lines of like okay well if you you know you put a string in one cup and a cup on the other end of that string you can listen and talk to each other because the vibrations you know go along the string and blah blah so it would make sense in my mind that through magic he would be able to do such a thing and sure enough i used magic to snake a string along the ground and quietly and furtively I uh, listened in on a conversation that I wasn't supposed to be a part of, and I thought it was just extremely fun. And uh, you know, I'm really happy with that, and I, I really want to share that with other people because I think, ultimately, that's kind of the direction of most TTRPGs are starting to go to now. Is
1: I mean, it's what you really want. <laughs> it's what you want. You want to have some creative freedom. And you want to play the stuff you want to play. Mm -hmm. I get that the uh, intention behind these systems is to give you the answer. Uh, You know, if you want to play a fighter, here's a fighter. You want to play an angry big guy, here's a barbarian. Well, this game's a little more, uh, I guess there's a higher skill level to it, but... There is no limit. If you want to play a gunslinger, you can do that. If you want to play a cyber warrior with lightsabers, you can do that. If you want to play a rootin' tootin' cowboy, I guess that's <laughs> gunslinger anyways. Uh, if you want to be a MMA fighter, you can do that. Like you, It, it really is up to you and your DM and the setting <laughs> to really do whatever you want. Uh, another example of the creative freedom we have here is that when he was mentioning he was casting magic... Uh, that was magic that he was considering as a spell. Uh, he has his own list of spells, but on top of that, he has his own list of actions mm-hmm. that he uses too. Uh, and So this isn't even a conversation of saying like, oh, did he attack or did he cast a spell? Like, he made the action, and then he also made the spell, and he also made the class. Uh, he didn't make the ancestry, because that's based off setting, and, of course, if you're making a setting without magic, well, the systems for spells and actions are actually the same system. So it would be okay to even use this system in a setting that doesn't use magic at all. Mm-hmm. It would still be applicable. So what you're left with is you get to have as much cohesion as possible with your class, race, and background. Because you are... Effectively taking the reins you are taking the wheel and you are driving the car Uh, Kind of like how if you were playing, let's just say D&D 5th edition great edition does a ton of things wonderful Uh, That is the equivalent of driving a Tesla with a self-driving feature Where you get to hold the wheel and you get to be in the car and you get to go wherever you want but ultimately the car uh, has the ability to autopilot and effectively guide you in those directions. Uh, we don't have that. We have a car that you get to get behind the wheel. You get to choose whatever road you want. You get to choose whatever car you want. And you get to go and drive however the fuck you want. The good news is we gave you a car. But it's <laughs> up. everything else is up to you. You get to go, you have that freedom of expiration uh, at at infinite possibility all to yourself and your friends. Yeah,
0: I think so. Like a lot of people create uh, systems that they'll call system, or I'm sorry, settings that are system agnostic. And I like to think of this system as a settings agnostic. Uh, You know, you, you can put it really into any setting you want and adapt as you go and uh yeah i mean in 5e there's always a wizard and you know a druid and there's this and there's that well not with this one we don't have classes uh we don't really like the races are tied to setting but but you can kind of create whatever you want you know this is a completely settings agnostic just a way a, a bare bones guide on how to create actions and
1: how it's basically like a play your own TtRPG yeah, yeah choose your own uh, adventure but <laughs> like in the, the but best you way get to you really can. like if the book was infinite but you still got to choose the adventure uh another thing about it uh <sighs> sorry I had the cough there if you could call that a cough <laughs> uh something something when you're saying when you're saying about it being like settings agnostic. Oh, I think I just had a brain fart moment. Noise uh, noise.
0: I mean, yeah, it's it's settings agnostic. It can kind of be plugged into if you want to do sci-fi. Oh, I remember. Sure.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Okay, I remember. Uh so the thing is is that um the the amount of flexibility in here, like let's be real, you play D&D 5th edition, you're not following every rule. You're not really doing rules as written. You're not remembering every rule in the fucking 500 page book of the five to ten books of the editions that you get every edition. You're obviously homebrewing shit with your friends every, like, often. And then you also have to make table rules. Mm-hmm. And you also have to make table calls constantly. Uh, and there's just a lot of, like, compromise you have to make. But in this game. It's, it's basically almost like all homebrew. Like you get to decide how these things... You know, we give you a system. We get you the structure. But you get to fill that out however you like. And then you get to make each person playing cryo at their table will have their own version of cryo, but not so different from someone else that they won't know what the fuck you're doing, but just, <laughs> so, uh, just enough to where you're like, this is our flavor of tabletop. And then someone comes over and they'll say, hell yeah, I actually like this this style of tabletop, the way you do things. So you don't have to worry about, like, oh, guys, you want to play Cryo? I don't know, because isn't it the game that does it like this? No, it could be whatever you want, even if you wanted to change the rules.
0: Yeah, you know, and as somebody who enjoys Pathfinder and D&D, sometimes it's kind of really annoying to be like, oh, what do you mean I no surprise round no flat-footed ac but that doesn't make sense they're not prepared yet (laughs) that type of thing you know we we tried in this system to have uh as much of it kind of i don't want to say baked in but yeah kind of baked into it automatically to where it's either mentioned or you can just if you do want it. to do it, yeah, okay, go for it. You know, so
1: like you could you would tell the DM, hey, can I hit this guy or can I blah 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 because uh, he's flat footed, and then DM can make a call then and there, uh, even though flat foot is not a mechanic in the game. Uh, this also involves a lot of trust and a lot of communication with your party and your DM, which is also, you know, in part why a lot of our episodes that have come out have kind of been showing you how that goes uh not specifically for this reason but it is a system that is benefited by doing the right thing and doing the good thing uh which is playing with your friends compromising having communication constantly and also ha- just having fun and doing cool shit yep
0: and i think that's a you know the biggest factor in this system in my opinion, is uh, all of it is to, like, yes, some of it should be a bit punishing. If you mess up, you messed up. There should be consequences to actions, but all of this is for fun. And in my opinion, pretty much everything we have, and by pretty much, I mean just about everything is fun, in my opinion.
1: Also, still a work in progress. It's not done, just so we're clear. (laughs) Uh, But so far, what we have uh, has been fun for us, and we're eager to have more people try it and let us uh, know what they think. And you know, all that'll do is it'll just make the game even better.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the best review I could give it is that every time we play test, when we get to the end, it's like, oh man, we're done already. You know, just time flies by, you know, and and you don't even realize it because you get so engrossed into it. And, you know, I've played fifth edition for a very long time, and sometimes it does get a bit stale and a little boring because it's like, okay, yes, my turn. I take my action. If I have a bonus action that's applicable, I do that. I move. Okay, I guess I can free action something. But other than that, I'm done. You know, there's there's other things you can do, obviously, that kind of spice things up, do some held actions and blah, blah. But all of it is so mm, written. Restricted yeah. or
1: confined, like set in stone.
0: Yeah, with this, I really get to, like, really think hard and get to be rewarded for more creativity. Whereas in 5th edition, it's like, well,
1: I want to do this really creative thing, and the DM's like,
0: yeah, I don't really know how that would work, man. It's not really in the rules.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you want to cast... It's like, can I cast Fireball? But I want it to only affect one person. Oh, uh, Sorry, dude, you're not a sorcerer, and you don't have any metamagic points, and you don't have this, the this, the targeting thing. So, uh, no, you can't do that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yep. Nope. And that's,
0: uh, nope, nope. ultimately, that's but why prior, it's called you can.
1: <laughs> Create and Roll Your Own. With that being said, thank you for taking a mystical dive into our tabletop lexicon. Join us in the future as we embark on the next episode of Taraxicon.